Good morning, everybody. My name is Mike, and I am the student pastor here. My wife and I are the student pastors here, and uh, we've been here uh, at the Promise Center for going on, well, my God, seven, six and a half, seven years. And, uh, and it's been a privilege and it's been an honor to help uh, be a part of the team and now lead the team. And so um, I just want to give a, a public shout out to my wife for helping uh, me uh, be a better person. And she constantly challenges me. Uh, she, uh, she's amazing. She's a phenomenal mom and she's a phenomenal leader. So, um, so thank you, babe. Um, Pastor Chad and Pastor Heidi are not here. They are celebrating their 15-year anniversary, which is amazing. Congratulations to them. And uh, it's amazing to have awesome pastors that challenge us as a local church to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to Sonoma County. And with it's without being said that you can turn on the news and you can turn on the radio. Uh, you see it, you read it in the newspapers, uh, but the world and our country is filled with bad news. But we have the good news, the message of Jesus Christ, and it is our job and it is our duty to bring that good news and to bring that hope to a hurting world. And so when you see Pastors Chad and Pastors Heidi on Wednesday, give them a high five, give them a hug, tell them congratulations on 15 years, and thank them for leading this church uh, to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. I, uh, I have just a simple message, and um, it is our student um, back-to-school service, and again, it's, it's an honor, it's a privilege to, to just walk through the Connect Center and see students like serving and high-fiving and connecting. I think that's incredible. There's nothing more rewarding than, see, than seeing young people um, serve the local church, but um, I, I have a simple message on um, faith moves us forward. I've kind of just changed the title a little bit, but faith that moves us forward and um, if we can turn our attention to the screen um, or open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, I have just a short passage of Scripture, and um, we're going to go from there. So the Bible says in Hebrews 11, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered up to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks." <clears throat> By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would or that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And and before we get to the new the next scripture, I, I want to focus on it because it, it it gives us and it highlights a word that we that we use. It's a very strong word, and I feel like this scripture is one of the more important scriptures in the New Testament, in fact, in the Bible. And Hebrews 6 says this, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say impossible. impossible. Now turn to your other neighbor who is obviously your second choice and say impossible. <laughs> impossible. Mom's with two kids. She's like, uh, which one? Uh, but it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. 
we can bow our heads and pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence, God. And thank you for this greatest story that you have ever given us. And it's not just a story of hope, but more importantly, God, you allowed us to be a part of your story and to help bring light into a hurting and dark world. God, I pray that you anoint my mind and my lips. Let me speak your word with clarity. I pray I give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The other day, um, Charlie and I were here, and, and if we can, real quick, can we just give a shout out to Phil and Anissa, to Charlie, to Bella, to Alan, to Kaylee, Gianna, some of our U team that are amazing. They pour their lives. They pour their heart and their soul into students. And so uh, the other day, Charlie was here. He was helping me on some things. And, and so uh, we were here at church, and we were working on like a list of students together. And uh, I don't know how we got into it, and we just started talking. And he, he, we, we got into my two daughters, Ellie and Macy. And if we can bring the picture up, and if we can just keep it up there for a second. These are my two daughters. This is uh, Ellie on the, on the left and Macy on the right. And so uh, my wife, who is amazing in so many different ways, she is um, seven or eight months pregnant. We are going to be having our third child in October. That's three children, age four and under. Help us, God. Seriously, help us, Lord. And so um, Charlie and I were hanging out, and we were talking, and he was like, I think he asked me the question. He was like, out of the two, like, who is your favorite? Now, that's hard to say. And before I get there, let me just say, if you were to ask that question to Ellie and to Macy, out of mama and dada, who is your favorite? They'd obviously say without hesitation, dada is their favorite. Uh, literally, like, if I get up out of bed and I start my day early, when I start my day early and I'm out of bed before them, and I leave to, like, go meet somebody, if I leave to go, like, come to the church, they flip out. Like, Ellie will literally cry. Charity, you're my witness. If I'm, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Like, she literally will cry and have tears that I didn't get a chance to snuggle-buggle with her. Now, I'm thankful that they sleep in their own beds. We've, we've had them sleeping in their own beds since they were, like, little kids, like babies, right? But we have a tradition in our home that every morning when they wake up, like, they'll jump in our bed, and they snuggle-buggle. That's their word. They snuggle-buggle. And so um, if I'm out of bed before they wake up, they cry. They, like, want to snuggle-buggle with Dada. And so obviously, if you know, if you ask them, I'm their favorite. But, um, and, no, and I'm, and I'm joking. I really am. I'm just, I'm kidding myself. Um, really, if you ask them who is their favorite, they really say both. They'll say both, both Mama and Dada, which I think is a testament to both me and my wife. They love us both equally. So back to the story. Charlie and I were like hanging out. And he was like, who's your favorite? And I was like, man, that is, that is so hard to say because they're both amazing and they're both beautiful and they're both fun and they're both like full of joy. And to be honest, like I love them equally. You can't, it's impossible to love them or to love one more than the other. It's just impossible. And many of you know them. You see them like running around in the Connect Center after church or maybe like while you're lining up for service, they'll like be running, you know, with like a burrito in their hand and one's running to nursery and the other one now is running to Kid Zone and she's so excited. Let me just shout out, uh, do a plug, a shout out to Kid Zone. Like the, the team is just literally killing it in Kid Zone. <laughs> Ellie like loves it. She looks forward to it now that she's four. As a matter of fact, she asked me on Wednesday, she said, Dad, Dad, I get to get a, do I get to go to Kid Zone? I said, no, babe, like, Kid Zone is only on Sundays. And she was like, ah, okay. And she goes, well, can I go to nursery? And I was like, well, babe, you're out of nursery now. And she goes, but Dada, they, 
they need my help. I'm supposed to serve in nursery. I, that's, what I, that's what I do now. I serve in nursery. And so, I mean, again, like train up a child in the way they should go. My wife and I, that's what we do. We serve. We, we pour into the local church. And it's amazing that my four-year-old has that in her heart to already serve the local church and help out in the nursery because she's four now and she doesn't belong in the nursery. So anyways, but it's impossible to say, well, you know what? I love one more than the other. And parents, you know this, you love both your kids equally. When I had Ellie, I didn't know if there was enough love in me to love Macy. I was just like, I just don't know if it's possible. My heart is so full. But then when I held Macy for the first time, that instant connection, I just felt this overwhelming love. And I was like, my God, I love both of them. I I will do anything for both of them. I will die for both of them. So again, it is impossible to love one more than the other. And there is that word, that key word, impossible. Impossible. It sometimes brings on like a negative connotation. We'll tell Ellie, hey, go get all your stuff. Take it upstairs. Take your toys to to the room. Take your iPad to the room. And she's like, oh, dad, it's too heavy. It's impossible. I can't do it. She's so dramatic as a four-year-old. But that word is impossible. It's impossible. And that's what the Hebrew writer brings us. That is the word that he chose to use when he began to write Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. He says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible. Now, I'm a curious person by nature, and so whenever I read something like that, whenever I see something that just sparks my interest, that sparks my curiosity, my natural follow-up question is, well, why? Why is it impossible? Why is it impossible to not have faith and please God? Why? I want to give you some background on the writer, uh, on the Hebrew, the book of Hebrews. Now, the Bible... uh, uh, the Bible creators, they were so amazing. They, they thought of brilliant ideas like putting chapter and verses when they were putting together the Bible. But they weren't really creative um, when it came to, like, naming the Bibles, right? So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, right? They just named those books of the Bible after themselves. Well, I'm Matthew, so I'm going to write, you know, Matthew, the book of Matthew. And I'm going to talk about the life and times and death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so it goes with the book of Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews was doing exactly... Exactly that he was writing to Hebrew people. And when you go back and you begin to study that time, it was a brutal time. The time of the Romans, the Romans were in charge. They were like the big, bad uh, uh, country of the world. They dominated everything. And so life was hard during the Roman time. But there was a period of time where you could exist and you could live peacefully as a Christian. There was a time where you could proclaim that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, that Jesus Christ was the way, he was the truth, he was the way to life. There was a time that you could proclaim that without any any hesitation that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. But what began to happen is as new emperors began to take uh, their seat in power and new countries began to rise up, being a Christian was not an easy As a matter of fact, you could lose your life for being a Christian. You could lose your family. Your family could be destroyed or killed for being a Christian. Your goods and your services, if you were a a person who sold in the marketplace, people would discriminate, discriminate against you. And they wouldn't buy your stuff. They wouldn't buy your fruits or your vegetables or your animals. And so you had the risk of not only just losing your life or physical harm, but you had the risk of 
of the monetary harm. Like you, you just couldn't sell, you couldn't make a living. And so often what happened was is families began to to, to fight amongst each other because maybe you had mom and dad that said, man, we got to look after ourselves and being a Christian is tough. And, you know, it's a little hard now. And, and so maybe we should stop following the way. Maybe we should stop following Jesus. And the kids who probably were like fully invested are like, no, this is who we are. This is where we're finding our purpose. This is where, you know, we find life. And so we want to stay in the way. We want to stay in the way of Jesus Christ. We want to follow this, this man, this man from Galilee. And, and, and there was a fight. Maybe it was the children who were like, Mom, Dad, it's hard to, to be a Christian. And when I go to help you sell in the marketplace, people spit on me or people mock me or they, they verbally abuse me because I'm a Christian. And we don't want to serve Jesus anymore. And we don't want to live for Jesus. And we don't want to follow Jesus. And Mom and Dad, maybe the fight was with Mom and Dad. And maybe they were like... You know, hey, this is the right way. Jesus changed our life. He is the Messiah. He is who he says he is. He is God manifest in flesh. You know, we got to follow him. We got to follow where he leads. And so there was constant turmoil within families. And there was constant tor- turmoil, maybe we, even within themselves. And, and human nature says anytime you face conflict and anytime you face persecution, you stop moving forward. It's human nature. You stop moving forward and sometimes you look back. And sometimes, although it's very illusional, the past looks better than the future. Now, let me just state that is not the case. That is, that is a lie from the enemy. But sometimes through the lens of opposition and the lens of confrontation, the past looks appealing. And so that is what the writer of Hebrew is doing. What he's doing is he's combating that thought process. He's saying, look, guys, it's not better behind you. It's not better in the past because faith moves you forward. Faith, your walk with God, moves you forward. And so what the writer of Hebrew begins to do is he begins to just remind them of the different champions of the faith that we read about. And so he begins to remind them what we read about. He reminds them about Cain and Abel, and Abel offered up a more excellent sacrifice. And what he's telling the writer and what he's telling the readers of Hebrew is he's telling them this. Look, by Abel's sacrifice, he was moving his faith forward and he begins to talk about Moses and he begins to talk about Abraham and Abraham God begins to speak to Abraham and he tells Abraham look you don't you don't have a family yet you're an old man but I'm going to give you this family a nation is going to come out of you and out of this nation is going to come the Messiah the hope of the world the hope the light in the darkness and he's going to come out of you and if you just listen to me and believe in me, and the Bible says Abraham believed and it was accounted to him righteousness, his faith moved him forward, but not just him forward, his faith moved the, the, the good news of Jesus Christ forward. And so that is what the writer of Hebrew is doing. He's reminding us to move forward in our faith. And he does this. He's a realist and he begins to write, hey, look, even though there's opposition, Even though there's trying times, even though there's conflict that you're facing, there is a reward. 
And he begins to talk and he begins to remind them that sometimes the old patriarchs, our heroes and our champions of the faith, they faced the same opposition. And he begins to remind them how mothers watched their children snatched out of their hands. And he began to remind them that mothers were cut in two. And he begins to remind them that, 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 that they were killed for their faith. And he begins to remind them that they wandered the earth and they wandered the world destitute. He tells them they wandered naked in sheepskins, clothed. But he says this. He says this awesome statement. He says, the world was not worthy of them. And even though they didn't get their promise then and there, they knew and they died that they had a promise. They knew and they died knowing that there was a promise afar off. He knew and he reminded them that if they just kept moving forward, their faith in God would help them along that journey because faith moves you forward. Amen? Faith moves you forward. And, and, and at times, sometimes we look at the past and it's human nature and we're like, man, that looked appealing, but it's not. It's not. Let me just remind you that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you can move your faith forward, so that you could have an impact on your community, so that you could make a difference. And that is why here at the Promise Center, that is why we we stress and you hear it in our language over and over and over again. The purpose is so the purpose of ministry and the purpose of the Promise Center is to help you know God and find freedom and discover your purpose and to make a difference. That is why we are so passionate about that. And that is why as a student pastor our job and my job is not just to create programs for these students but it's to create pathways pathways to a life of fulfillment pathways of a life to a life of 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 identity and there's so much there's so much confusion in the world and there's so much confusion at times with our students and there's a lie from the enemy the bible says that the enemy or the thief comes to to kill and to steal and destroy but jesus says i i came so that you might have life and that you might li- live life to the fullest and so there is a lie out there telling students that you have no purpose you have no identity you don't belong here you don't know what you're doing here nobody loves you and that is a lie and that is why we exist is we exist to create a pathway, a pathway, a clear pathway, a clear pathway of faith that moves them towards God, that moves them towards destiny, that moves them towards purpose, that moves them towards fulfillment. And that's why it's so honorable. And that's why it it, it moves me when I walk in and I see our students passing out bulletins, passing out flyers, collecting the offering, up here singing and worshiping and leading a church congregation into the presence of God. I think that's honorable. That is my biggest reward. That is why Peter is the reason why I do what I do. Because like he said, if you knew him, you'd know he's not a student that could stand up on a Sunday for four services and give his testimony to a bunch of strangers, a bunch of adults. But here he is proclaiming that God is moving his faith forward with purpose. His destiny is in God. So next time, when you see a young person in the Connect Center, give them a high five. Pray over them. Praise them for serving God. Encourage them to keep moving forward in their faith. Some of our students started school this past week. 
Many are starting school this upcoming week. And let me just tell you, school is hard. The peer pressure of school and the peer pressure of kids is hard. They go to school in a system that we have no idea about. The craziness and the chaos that is in schools. It is not the same school system that you went to. The temptations are not the same temptations that you had. There's so much more and there's so much accessibility to to craziness and to chaos and to sin. So when you see a young person serving God or speaking up here or singing and helping lead lead you into the presence of God, give them a high five, pray for him, pray for them, congratulate them, thank them for being young people that stand up for what is right, that are wanting to make a difference, that are wanting to be a voice in their generation. So in a moment, we're going, to, we're going to pray over our students. And we're going to pray over those who are in the educational system. We have many teachers that, that come to the Promise Center. Uh, we have many educators that, that come to the Promise Center and along with our students. And what we want to do is we want to pray over them. We want to pray that God will protect them, that God will protect their minds, and that God will protect their hearts, and that God will continue to speak to them and lead them as they go forward with their faith. Amen? If we can all stand... I want to invite Sandra Sims to come up. She is our amazing prayer coordinator. She leads the Promise Center in prayer. So not just that, though. She is one of those moms that I appreciate, and I've said this every service, and I'm going to continue to say it, but she is a mom that, um, that keeps me in line as a student pastor. And um, I can be scatterbrained sometimes, and um, I forget to send out emails and communicate to parents and just with the craziness of life. And she'll like, she'll tell me, she'll come to me and say, you're not communicating with us. You're not letting us know. How am I supposed to get Peter and Josh to events if I don't know about them? And I appreciate that. I appreciate a mom who is invested in the spiritual growth of her children. I appreciate a parent who is invested in the spiritual growth of not just her students, but the students of the Promise Center. And so I appreciate her for wanting to make me better and encouraging me to be better. And so I'm going to invite her because I want her to pray. Along with our church, I want us to pray over our students. And I want us to bless our students. There's something amazing about blessing your students and blessing your children. And so I want her to say a blessing. I want her to pray. And I want her to challenge us. As we continue our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Amen. Why don't we give a hand clap to Sandra? Thank you, Mikey. Thank you to the student ministry and all that you guys are. I love the student ministry. They really prove that their heart is that our students are not just children, but they are our brothers, sisters in Christ, and that they have a purpose. And that, like, speaks to my heart. Um, it's an honor to be up here. Thank you for letting me pray over your students. Um, right now, if you guys could stretch out your hands or put your arms around the student that is next to you, we're going to wrap this up really quickly. Luke 2.52 says, um, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature with favor with God and with men, and I declare that over our students. In Jesus' name, we come before you, Father God, and we release our students uh, to this new season in their lives. 
God, you have your hand upon them. We ask that you would reveal their identities, that they would walk in confidence, God. We agree with the decrees that you have written over their lives. They have the mind of Christ, and because of that, they are able to learn all that you would have them learn, and they would be able to leave behind anything that would harm them. God, we pray for protection over our campuses, from our preschools to our colleges. God, we pray protection over our students, not because we are afraid, but because we know we have the power and the authority to cancel any assignment that the enemy has over them, the schemes against our children and against your will for them. They have a destiny to fulfill, God, and we come into agreement with that. We know that their destinies are found in their dreams and their passions and their hearts. They have the fullness of Christ within them. They are atmosphere changers. They are culture setters. And in Matthew 5, 16, it says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So God, we ask that you would give them eyes to see the way you see and that you would teach them how to bring Jesus into their cultures. And parents, I just pray, God, for the parents that you would bring us to our place of power and authority, which is on our knees, that we are contending for our children, that we become the wind beneath their wings that lifts them up to the destiny that they have and we become partners with you in that, God. And we pray for our educators. They are in such a hard place, God. We pray that they would find favor with you and favor in their places of business where they teach students that they would have the resources that would abound for them and that they would be your hands and feet and that your your joy would be their strength. So we thank you, God, for what you have planned for our students and we release them and we bless them and we say yes and amen to what you have over them. In Jesus' name, amen.